Are you ready? You better get ready. Get ready to dive into the heart of local sports action. Broadcasting live from the heartland of Missouri. Welcome to the SEMO Scramble on SEMO ESPN. Get set. Because it's time to catch up on the latest local highlights, in-depth analysis, and interviews from the Boot Heel and beyond. Marcus in. Here we go. With your host, Rusty Hendricks. And welcome into the SEMO Scramble here on SEMO ESPN Radio. That's 1220 AM, 935 FM, and online at com. Rusty Hendricks, and thanks for joining us here on this Saturday morning. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Maybe get a chance to spend some time with friends and family. And, oh yeah, dig into that good food as well. I know uh, I definitely had my fill and enjoyed it. I uh, had to... And extend the belt a little bit as well this weekend. But, folks, appreciate the time for joining us. No Jess Todd. Again, appreciate him for spending some time with us over this past several months. Again, last week was his final show. We'll be announcing next week who our new co-host will be. So doing it solo this week, and I hope you enjoy it just as well. But, uh, folks, we're going to go ahead and get things started. And I want to start things with the little high school basketball. Yeah, as high school basketball is getting underway and really for most teams really starting to get things kicked off next week and I wanted to preview some of the top high school basketball teams in the area. Number 1 Sykeston, number 2 New Madrid. We're going to talk things over with head coach Greg Hollifield and also Dontre Jenkins. So appreciate both of their times for talking to us here on the Semo Scramble, but you know, Sykeston is a team that Maybe open up a little bit of eyes last year by getting uh, the district title win over Cape Central and making that run in a little bit of the state playoffs. So Sykeston returns pretty much everybody from last year for the most part, and especially one of their top guys in Dontrez Williams, who, by the way, just signed to play at the next level with Abilene Christian. So he is one of the best kind of Ford swingman in the area at about six foot three. He can shoot it. He could dice the lane and go towards the basket and score at all levels as well. And then, of course, this year, the big story that Sykeston has added P.J. Farmer, a guy that spent all of his career at Charleston, you know, moving to Sykeston this year. He spent, obviously had a great year, actually part of a, kind of an all-region team as a soccer player for Sykeston this fall. But he's going to be joining a very tough a Sykeston basketball team as well and under the tutelage of head coach Greg Hollifield, the Hall of Famer. So uh, you, you expect Sykeston to have a really good year. They have Trace Sadler, uh, a guy that about six foot ten down low. I mean, this guy is is someone going to be a force to be reckoned with as well. Tristan Wiggins, a very good defender and a good scorer in his own right. So again, Sykeston is loaded. Probably one of the best teams in the area. We talked about again New Madrid, a team that won the state title last year, folks, and they return. Pretty much everybody. Jadis Jones, who won the SEMO uh, Ball Player of the Year Award for basketball, he's going to be back. Already decided that he's going to be a, a two-sport athlete in college at Coastal Carolina. So he's a guy to be watching for. Should have another fantastic season. B.J. Williamson, who was their quarterback on the football team, hey, he's a guy that can play some basketball as well. A.J. Ruff and just a host of others. So New Madrid's going to be very good as well in Class 3, but there's other teams. Cape Central should be a lot of fun this year. They've been battling some injuries. They're a team to keep an eye on. I expect 
towards the end of the year, they get some guys back, get some guys healthy, and work some of their young guys in. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with this year as well. So, again, a lot of good teams in the area, but we'll start with head coach Greg Hollifield of Sykeston. All right, happy to be joined by head coach Greg Hollifield on our hotline. And, Coach, I really appreciate the time uh, talking about some high school basketball and previewing this uh, season. So, Coach, once again, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, so Coach Greg Hollifield, uh, you guys coming off a, a solid year last year. And I think, you know, last year, Coach, I think it would – Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it would maybe be fair to say that you were kind of the uh, the hunter. This year maybe can be considered as the hunted. Is that is that fair? I agree with that. You know, we were so young last season, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of sophomores and uh, a couple of freshmen on the floor at times. So I think that's right. We uh, As the season went on, I thought we got better and better. But, you know, we're a much more experienced team this season, and I, I totally agree with that statement. So coming off that district championship, you return guys like Dontrez Williams and Tristan Wiggins and others, but you also add another uh, top talent this year in P.J. Farmer. Just how much does uh, P.J. kind of add to the collective and really help this team to kind of get to that next level? Uh, you're right. You know, we return a lot of uh, experience. Uh, you know, Dontrez uh, just signed with Abilene Christian uh, out of Texas, and P.J. is just such a great addition. He's, he's First of all, he's a terrific kid. And then on top of that, you throw his uh, basketball IQ and his ability. It's just what a good player he is. And you know, you're right, it's really going to help us. Seems like you you know, have a lot of guys that can put the ball in the hoop, but only the one basketball. So how do you kind of spread the wealth, so to speak? Well, you know, we have to understand that, uh, you know, we were a, a real inexperienced team last year. And, uh, you know, at times our shot selection wasn't as good as it uh, has been and it needed to be. And, you know, this year, we we can't take bad shots. We have to be able to share the basketball, and we have to be able to take advantage of everything we do offensively. And one of those things where you just have to to work to get better every day and, and try to get better and better and just continue to work. Take us through your schedule a little bit, Coach, as uh, you're going to be beginning things in the Fountain City Classic up in DeSoto that will be coming up here soon. So just take us into the schedule and kind of some of the tough competition, tough games coming in. Uh, Normandy is going to be one of those games at home. Uh, you have Portageville on the schedule this year. You're part of the Union Varsity Tournament, of course, the St. Dominic Christmas Tournament and others. Just kind of take us through that schedule and what stands out to you. Well, you know, the DeSoto Tournament, uh, you know, that's such a good tournament. You have Cape Central in it. You have really good teams. And, uh, you're going to have to be ready to play starting <laughs> next week because there's not any easy games. And, you know, that's, that's a difficult tournament. And, you know, you're on the road. It's a lot of travel. And you have to come back the very next week to the SEMO Conference Tournament. And, you know, that's two back-to-back -back tournaments where you're going to see really uh, good teams, quality competition. And uh, I, I think we can see where we stand after a couple of weeks. So the districts were released this you know previous week. Class five, District One for your squad. Cape Central in there again, of course, with Farmington, Festus, Hillsboro, North County, DeSoto, and Popper Bluff. So obviously, it's going to be a pretty tough district. Uh, what what stands out to you there? Well, first of all, you know how good Cape Central is going to be. They return a lot of players, and they're going to be you know really good. And then you add Bluff to it again, uh, just a quality 
tough squad. And, you know, it's one of those things uh, I tell our kids every day, we have to work to get better every day, and we have to be better today than we were yesterday and be better tomorrow than we were today. And, you know, the kind of people we have to get through to win districts and on down the line, it's very difficult. And, you know, if you're not working, good things aren't going to happen. You have to work, work, work. Well, Coach, I mentioned kind of open up this interview, expected to have a good season, right? You're probably going to be the hunted this year. You have awesome uh, guy underneath and Trey Sadler. I mentioned Dontrez Williams, P.J. Farmer, and others. You know, so how do you kind of curb those expectations and to, to make it sure that you, you keep the, the boys focused, make sure that they're ready to go game in and game out and prepared you know, for district tournament time and beyond? Well, it's, again, it just boils down to just a high expectation of work every day. And, you know, I've had a, a lot of talented teams in the past, and, and teams that uh, work hard have a chance to accomplish great things and tell our guys every day, you have to work to be good. And if you come in here for one second and you're not working, things aren't going to work out. You see talented teams all the time that uh, sometimes they read their press clippings and they don't work as hard as they should or could. And, you know, this team has to be one of those teams that just works hard every day to get better. So what are some areas I mentioned earlier maybe that could be a a big strength for you and maybe what are some things here early on in the season you might be focusing on to to make sure that you can improve upon? Well, you mentioned it uh, earlier. Offensively, we have to share the basketball. I think this is a really good passing team. And, you know, the thing about our young guys, they've grown up and matured so much, I I feel, and the sharing of the basketball is a major thing. You know, we're looking for a great shot. You know, you may have a good shot, but we're looking for a great shot. And, you know, that's a point of emphasis. Uh, This group really dribble penetrates well. So, you know, we're a dribble drive offense, uh, similar to what we did in 2019, where we, you know, dribble penetrate, look to kick and keep that ball moving. And this team right here does a really good job from that perspective. Defensively, we've got to get better. We've got, you know, we're spending a lot of time. We've got to work to get better every day. You know, your great defensive teams are the ones that do very well in the playoffs. And, you know, our 30 and 0 team in 2011, I think we gave up 42 points per game. And, you know, we guarded every possession. And this team has to guard every possession. You can't take plays off offensively and or defensively to be a good team. Do you think this can be a good defensive team as well? It, it should be. And, you know, it's one of those things that uh, we harp on every day. You've got to come in here to work to get better every single day. And if you take a play off, you take a day off. It's just not going to work. You have to work. It's all about work ethic and deciding that I'm going to be as good a team and a good, as good a player as I can be offensively and defensively. Also, too, how much uh, does it help to have really with coaching staffs changing all the time, it seems like, among high school basketball, there's a lot of turnover it seems like anymore in today's game, you know, you, you have, you know, Brian James by your side continually. Of course, your son's on the staff as well and others. Uh, just how important is that to, to Sykeston's success to continually have year after year uh, that stability in place? Unbelievable. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, we actually have a coaching change this year. Coach James has been my assistant for 26 years, and my son, Will, who played for me, He's been my assistant since 2015. And then Coach Siracus was my assistant 25 years here, and he retired this year. So Travion Dennis is taking his place, and it's the first coaching change we've actually had in 26 years. That's hard to believe at the high school level. But, you know, these guys just – we work well together, and they've just been tremendous to work with. 
What do you think about just basketball as a whole in this area? It seems like there should be a number of, of talented teams. New Madrid's going to be fun to watch this year, Coach. Uh, you mentioned Cape Central earlier should be very solid. Popper Bluff's going to be improved. Jackson's still going to be solid. What do you just think about the basketball in general here in this area? Well, I think it's really good. You know, you've got a lot of Division One players in the CMO Conference. You know, every team's going to be very competitive. It's going to be a tough league. You know, I've been in the CMO Conference for this is my 28th year, uh, counting when I was at Kennett. And I think our talent level right now is really good. And I think the teams are very competitive and tough. For Sykeston basketball to reach their highest potential, what needs to come together? We have to play as a team offensively and defensively, and we have to understand what we're trying to accomplish. And to accomplish that, you have to work as hard as you can every day. And it's just no way you can't, you can't reach the goals that we want to accomplish by not working. And our guys have to understand that. And if you do those things, great things will happen. Good stuff, Coach. I appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us, and just good luck this year. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate the time. Yep, yep, bye-bye. All right, we'll catch you later. All right, that was head coach Greg Hollifield. And, boy, again, they're going to have a solid season in Sykeston. You know, a couple of guys that I didn't really mention during that interview with Coach Hollifield is is up-and-comers like Kobe Thomas. You got Ben James, also Jaquan Applewhite. And LeCrarion McCray, those guys you could see to have uh, some big influence on the Sykes and Bulldogs this year as well. So a well-rounded team. Coach Hollifield, again, expects them the biggest thing he said oh, time and time again. Look, he said, we got to work. We got to work and make sure that we're putting in the time and that we are doing everything we can to be the best. So, look, if they if they do that, if they buy into what Coach Hollifield is preaching, they're going to have a solid season. But again, another team that we expect to have a solid season is New Madrid. Of course, coming off that state title from a season ago with head coach Linus McFerrin and head coach McFerrin stepping down, retiring, and now Dontre Jenkins, the longtime assistant coach now as the head coach, and he's a guy that's been doing a lot behind the scenes. We'll talk about that with him coming up. But what kind of a year can we expect from the Eagles? We continue on here and we talk a little bit of high school basketball. We preview the high school basketball season and we're going to start it off by talking things over with head coach Dontre Jenkins of New Madrid County Central in his first year as the head coach. So, coach, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, coach, first question, I just wanted to kind of take you back to last year and just that experience at state, winning the state title, what that was like. I know, boy, a lot of pressure there at state to get it done. You guys did it. I'm sure it was a lot of fun. And just take us back to that experience and what it took to get to that point. Uh, it was a great experience. You know, uh, this group of guys that we got, uh, you know, Jadis Jones, B.J. Williamson, A.J. Ruff, those guys, you know, they've, they've been playing since they were freshmen. They came up short their freshman year against Fashan, came up short again their sophomore year against Fashan. So to finally see these guys, uh, get over that hump and uh, complete and compete at a high level and uh, reach that goal and uh, finally get that state championship. Kind of meant, meant, meant the world to us and really meant the world to me. You know, as a coach, seeing these guys and seeing what they went through and all the time they put put in to uh, to reach that goal. And you've obviously had time to learn under the tutelage of the Hall of Famer Linus McFerrin, so. That's got to be pretty special, but also you mentioned it's the experience coming back and guys like Ruff and Williamson and Jones, and that uh, should lead to another fun year, Coach. 
Oh, that's, that's our expectation right there. You know, these guys come in with a lot of experience. You know, they, they know what it takes to get there and know what it takes to win. So th- that's a good thing for me coming in as a first-year coach. I got a good group, a great group to come in and work with, and they know my expectations, they, and I know what they can do. It's going to be a good good effort for us this year. You know, I know that you had a big hand in last year's team and then other previous teams as well at New Madrid, but, you know, what's obviously changed other than the title for you this year? Maybe also maybe given a little more responsibility to some of your assistant coaches, but how has that role changed for you this year compared to the past? Honestly, I'm just on the spotlight now. You know, uh, the previous years, I was the guy behind the scenes doing all the work. Um, you know, Coach Mack gave me the keys to his program, and he allowed me to do a lot of stuff that nobody seen me doing. But, uh, you know, I was the one scouting and giving the scouting reports and all that stuff that, you know, assistant coaches do. Um, you know, Coach Mack was old school, so he really didn't do much of that. So he, he gave trust in, trust in me and allowed me to do that stuff. And for me, as a first-year coach, being the one that has done it in the past, it's kind of hard divvying out those responsibilities to my assistants right now. But uh, as the season goes on, I'm, I'm sure I'll be uh, passing some of that off. Well, take us through your schedule a little bit, Coach. It's a it's a tough one there in in Class Three, District One. Your your schedule with starting this weekend with a Riverbend shootout. You have the Marshall County Hoop Fest, of course the the SEMO Conference Tournament. Then you go into the Norm Stewart Classic there. That's always a fun one and. Again, you go into the rest of the SEMO conference and some some tough games, including the the Knicks Invitational tournament. It's a very tough tournament as well. The Charleston Shootout. I mean, you got a gauntlet, coach. Yeah, and that that kind of helped us build on our success right there. You know, um, these guys freshman year, the seniors freshman year. You know, we just had the SEMO conference tournament games and our district opponent games, and once we got to that quarterfinal game against Fashan, we had to seen that all year long. So uh, coming into that next year, we was like, man, we got to do something. We got to figure something out to uh, get our schedule strong, to see teams that we might see later on in the season. So we built on that, and uh, you know, that that year, that next year, we end up going to the uh, Bass Pro. You know, that's top level teams over there. Uh, then coming back last year, you know, building off that schedule, just trying to find teams that's going to make us. You know, we might not get the win, but we're going to have to work, 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 and compete against the best. To get to the top. Well, obviously, a lot of eyes will be on Jadis Jones. We know what kind of player he is, if if not the best, one of the best players in the area. But who are some other guys, in particular, coach, on kind of the front line in that post area that could help Jadis this year as well? Oh, got uh, Junior Raymond Brooks. He played for us a little bit last year. He was mostly a JV guy, but down in the stretch, you know, he played some big minutes for us in that Charleston uh, sectional game. So we're looking for him to help Jones out and take some of the pressure off of him. Uh, he also got uh, Marvion Cranford. He'll be a junior also, a uh, big body that can get down in the paint and bang. And so with those two guys, you might even be able to pull Jones away from the basket a little bit this year. Well, tell us how your style is as a head coach. Could we expect maybe some differences in what we've seen you imagine in the past? And who are some other you know, kind of up-and-comer players for your team? Honestly, with, with the group that we got coming back, I, I really haven't changed much because this, this is what they're used to. So I didn't want to come in trying to change everything, and now everybody out there looking like robots. So I just try to stay accustomed. You know, I've been around Coach Mack for, forever. So kind of his philosophy of the game is the kind of same philosophy I have coming in. You know, play good defense on offense. You might see us play a little bit faster-paced offense, you know, run a couple more uh, different sets and stuff like that. 
But uh, as far as philosophy and you know style of play, it'd be about the same. What do you feel like can be the strength of the team this year? Our defense is going to be a strength. You know, we're going to preach defense and uh, come in. And you know, the old saying is defense wins championships. That's, that's our motto right there. You know, in Class Three, Coach, who are some some other teams as we you look far down the road? Of course, it'll be a ways before we get there. But who are some teams could could pose the biggest challenge for district play and you know and beyond for you? Well, in our, in our district, you got Malden, who's who returned everybody from their last year team. You got Carrollsville that they, they returned their top couple guys back. That's in our district. Then you look over to that next district. You got Charleston. You got Notre Dame that dropped down. So that'll be a tough day. And you also got, I believe, Kelly's in that district also. So those two districts right there will be tough. And then you look on down the line, you know, you got Thayer that came, Thayer that made a Final Four appearance. I think they returned everybody from their team last year. So it's definitely not going to be a cakewalk. Uh, we're going to have to compete. We're going to have to work to, to get to where we need to get to if we want to get there at the end of the year. And this will be kind of a two-part question, Coach. So I know that, you have a number of your players, multi-sport athletes, that you know a lot of those guys are, are playing football in the fall, and now they get ready to go here for the winter and the basketball season. So question number one, how, how much do you think that maybe helps these guys, number one, getting into shape and, and just preparing them for just uh, body movements and that sort of thing, getting ready for basketball? Number two, do you have some guys maybe banged up a little bit from football season that uh, may take some time to get into a rhythm here for basketball? I definitely think, being that you know we're a small school, being that I think the guys need to play multiple sports. I don't think somebody just think one of our guys need to uh, you know just play one sport because majority of your peers and your teammates gonna be playing playing another sport. So it's kind of hard, you know, getting in the gym, especially in the fall when football is going on. If you're not playing football, it's kind of hard to get in the gym and work out. You know, if you don't have access to it by on your own, you know, I encourage our guys here to play multiple sports. You know, I tell them football will help you in basketball. If you play baseball, you run track. Basketball will help you for that. So, um, I, I like I said, I really encourage guys to play multiple sports. When I was in school, I played multiple sports. So, so I, I'm definitely, definitely more towards playing multiple sports. And as far as uh, guys being banged up, as of now, everybody that we plan on having on the varsity level right now is healthy. That's great news. A couple more things and we'll let you go. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't have you talk a little bit about some of your top guys and B.J. Williamson and Jadis Jones. Just, you know, what what do they bring to the table, especially for Jadis, Coach? You know, being a guy that has already signed, you know, at the college level, he kind of can relax now, doesn't have to worry about that as well for this senior season. So how much does that help him? And, again, how, how big of a of an aid is B.J. Williamson and what he brings to the table? Uh, Jadis, you know, his commitment to Coastal Carolina, I think that's that's big for him. And I think, like you said, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of pressure off of him now, being that you know he got that out the way. I know last year he was kind of you know going back, and he'd come to me, Coach. What should I do? You know, I need your advice on this and that. So I think going into this year with with that being out the way, I think he can relax and just play ball now. But if, if any team, if I'm coaching any team in America, I want a Jadis Jones on my team. You know, because the guy, he's the kid is he's very unselfish. Uh, he, you know, he, he's a he's a teammate. Uh, he's a top tier teammate. Uh, he want he want to get everybody else involved if he have the chance to. When the time get there and we need a bucket, we know we can go to him to get it for us. Or he gonna make the right play to get somebody else a bucket. And you, you throw his counterpart in there with him. You throw B.J. Williamson in there. 
And, you know, BJ just a dog. Uh, he's going to do everything in his power and will to get a win. You know, he, he's going to dive on loose balls. He's going to take charges. He's going to hustle. He's going he gonna to do everything he can for us to be in the position to, uh, to get the win at the end of the game. As far as athleticism, I mean, it, he's got to be right up there towards the top of this area for most athletic guys, isn't that right? Five, at 5'10", six foot, you know, if it's a seven-footer underneath the basket, better believe he's going to challenge that seven-footer. <laughs> you know, he, he, he doesn't, he's not afraid of anything, and that's just the fight and the dog he got in him. And he, he's, very, he's not intimidated by anything. So, so like I said, throwing him in there with Jadis, you know, they're a good one-two punch. They feed off each other. Um, they 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 good at getting everybody involved, getting their teammates involved. But at the same time, when when they get down and we need a bucket, we always can count on one of them two guys to do to do what we need them to do to, to have us in the game. You got that dog in them. All right. Yes, sir. <laughs> Coach, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us here on the SEMO Scramble and just kind of previewing uh, this high school basketball season and your team. And we look forward to seeing you throughout the year and. We expect big things from you. Should be a lot of fun, Coach. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you. Have a good one. Yes, sir. You too. All right. That was head coach Dontre Jenkins. Appreciate his time talking to us about New Madrid. And, folks, uh, New Madrid coming off that state championship from last year, they should have another great year. And, again, their core is still intact with with Jadis Jones, A.J. Ruff, a really tough-nosed defensive-minded guard, and then B.J. Williamson that can get you – you know, 15, 7, and 6 a night. I mean, this this guy is, again, athletic as they come. So those three as a core and sprinkle in some of their good newcomers and some big bodies down low, I'll tell you what, they're going to have a, a good season. You know, there's a chance, though, with the type of schedule that they have, you know, maybe early on you look, man, they don't have the best record. But I tell you what, with, with the opponents they're playing, uh, it, it's going to be tough for them, but it's going to make them better towards years in and again i expect a big year again from new madrid as they go to work in class three district one and again dontre jenkins coming off uh as assistant coach with coach lennis mcferrin he takes the reins this year as the head coach and should be a lot of fun i think i tell you what he he is a going to be a good one he's going to be a good one and dontre jenkins and uh, he definitely has the respect of his players as well so All right, so let's take a little bit of a break, and we'll get back at it after this on the SEMO Scramble on SEMO ESPN. All right, welcome back into the SEMO Scramble here on SEMO ESPN Radio, and want to talk a little bit of St. Louis Cardinals offseason with you. Special guest here on our hotline. He is a former SEMO Redhawk and an OVC Player of the Year. I believe that was back in 2012. A gentleman who also was drafted by the Atlanta Braves and played in their minor league system. And he stayed on after his playing career as a scout for the Atlanta Braves. No longer a scout, but still a guy that uh, loves some baseball. He, of course, is from this area, so he loves Cardinal baseball. And again, grew up in the the Atlanta Brave system. So it is my best friend. He was my best man at my wedding, Trenton Moses. Trent, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, man. So Trent, uh, I want to talk to you about the Cardinals. And of course, this is recorded on Tuesday. So a little caveat there in case there are some more moves here after Thanksgiving. 
But I want to talk to you about the two moves in Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson for the St. Louis Cardinals. We have Lance Lynn, a one-year $10 million deal with some performance incentives and a club option for the year after. Kyle Gibson, very similar, a one-year deal for $12 million with a one-year club option. So you're looking at about you know, $22, $23 million wrapped up in those two players. But uh, I don't know, just your reaction to those two moves and what do you think that speaks to how the Cardinals may be going here in this offseason? Well, it seems like they're going to address the uh, starting starting pitching need, which is a clear need. I don't hate the moves if they're supplementing a bigger move later in the offseason. You know, my thoughts were, I was discussing with my brother, they're going to go out and sign an ace. I love bringing in a Lance Lynn or a yeah. Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson was one of the guys I thought you take a flyer on to supplement the back end of your rotation if you can. They're all older, older players, and they're going to eat innings, which is kind of what you need in the back of your rotation. And I, I think that they did that. It's just you really have to, you have to bolster the rest of the rotation. Yeah, I, I think going into the off season. You know, most fans, including myself, is hoping. Look, we hopefully we can get an ace, maybe another a two guy in the rotation as well. So, look, what's left is Yamamoto's still out there, right? He's the number one coveted guy of anybody. And if the Cardinals can somehow find a way to get him, I don't know if they can or not. It's going to take a lot of money. Are they willing to go that far? I don't know. I have my doubts. I have my reservations. But you know, maybe if that's the guy that they covet, they go after. Uh, it would still be a, a positive. But my my thing is, Trent, I feel like a guy like Kyle Gibson, a guy like Lance Lynn, to me, they're going to be there um, throughout you know the back end of the offseason. I don't feel like there's other teams jumping at Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. Why not wait, try to go after Yamamoto, who just posted, right? And he only has 45 days to where a, a team has to sign him. So a lot of those teams are going to be focused on that. So why not go after your big fish, whether it's him, maybe a Sonny Gray or Blake Snell or whoever, right? Why That's... why not go after them first, then figure out the back end of your rotation? I agree with you. Um, my guess is the only reason they wanted to do it this way is to try to make sure that they have depth. Um, if they are planning on making a splash, uh, I know this big talk is Stroman. I I've never been a huge Stroman guy. He posts. He hasn't posted in the past couple of years, really since COVID. Um, it's been 120, 130 innings, and you don't need that if you're going to pay big money to a starting pitcher, in my opinion. I think that there's a lot more out there, and I hope that they address – I hope that they grab one of the big ones. Personally, would love to see a Bauer signing. I understand the character concerns, but to me, he feels – Top of the rotation need, and he's going to post. He always has posted. The guy to me that I I would love to see just doesn't seem like form. a cardinal move <laughs> though, right? I mean, it doesn't sound, it doesn't seem like it, but it that's just me. I mean, how about I know a guy that's been thrown around. It seems like probably will get traded. I mean, there's so much smoke around it. And Tyler Glass now a guy for the Rays. Maybe they could go that route as well. If you can still sign one more guy, then trade for another. You still, you know, you're talking four guys that you're adding to the rotation potentially. But I don't know. I mean, he's a guy that you probably can't expect to have more than 15 to 18 starts in a season. Trent, he's had a lot of injury history, but when he's on, man, he he's an ace type for sure. 
for sure. Glass now to me is an he's an ace, but he doesn't he doesn't fit the need like you just said of 180 to 200 innings because he's really never done it. I love the upside, but at you know at the end of the day, it's still just upside. I would hate to get fleeced by the Rays again. Yeah, but. I, I think that I almost think that that's a team though that you could probably get a bargain for. Um, I know that there there are some some guys in in that organization that I still keep in touch with, and um, I think that they like some of the they like some of Dylan the pieces Carlson, that the Cardinals right? have, and so it's an option. I wouldn't hate it. They might like Dylan Carlson, maybe Alec Burleson, someone of that ilk. You think? I think yeah. I know that they like Lars Newtbar, but I yeah. I think everybody kind of likes him. Well, Trent, let's take a moment here and listen to a little snippet of Moe's press conference. He had a press conference with the media after the signings of Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. And let's hear his thoughts. He talks about the thought process for Gibson and Lynn and then on if he is done adding. So this sound you hear is from 101 ESPN out of St. Louis. So to go out and just sign one elite pitcher and then do nothing else that's not going to solve our problems. Our problems were getting deeper into games. And both these two gentlemen pitched a lot of innings last year. Um, you know, one did it on a very competitive team. One got traded to a very competitive club. And they, they both bring not only experience, but the ability to do that. And that's important. As I said, this is not the finish line. This is just a day. Um, I'm not going to predict what's going to happen over the next month or two months, but um, we know our work isn't finished. All right, Trent. So after hearing those comments, what is your reaction? The moves definitely, I guess, coincide with what he just said. But again, you'd like to see those. You'd almost like to see those made a little bit later in the offseason like you and I talked about. It makes sense. The thing about Lynn, I guess he, he pitched better when he was with L.A., Gibson was an innings eater. Yeah, I think uh, both of them were in the top five of most hits allowed in the Major League Baseball last year. Now, that speaks to the innings you're talking about, but what about the quality of the innings is the question. Well, let me ask you this: What kind? Of, how did how did we rank defensively last year? Not I know good. it wasn't as good as it was the year before. And here's the th- here's the thing, and maybe that's part of the issue with both of those guys, as it was with the Cardinals. the The shift was eliminated, right? Um, as far mm-hmm. as you know, teams weren't allowed to to shift like they used to. So the defense, as you would understand, is going to take a hit because of that. The Cardinals definitely. Now again, they had guys that regressed that didn't play as well as they, you know, have their career norms, such as a Nolan Arenado. He did not have as good of a year as he normally has, but you know, that's part of the issue. You you get ground balls, you know, if it's 110 off the bat, Trent, more more likely than not, it's going to find a hole. That's a that's a great way to put it. You definitely want to sure sure up the corner outfield if you're going to have ground balls and and hard fly balls in the gaps. I would say the two corners are not ready for that as we stand right now. Yeah, with Wal- Walker and you may be using a Donovan out there some as well again. Probably Edmund in center. All right, let me play this next sound from Mo, and he's talking about is there a chance to add another starter? What about the trade markets? And let me play that. 
I'm still probably thinking more in terms of three based on how things are looking. Um, but I think the off season is very fluid. Things change. Uh, you know, we haven't really taken a huge deep dive yet into the trade market. Um, so, you know, we'll allow that the next couple of weeks for that to percolate and see where that goes. But, um, you know, still looking to, to ha- add to this organization. All right, Trent. So again, your reaction to that sound from Mo. I mean, it's you have to add if if three. I guess he meant three starting pitchers. Correct. I would hope that at least three with two that we signed. Well, the question is two. A week or so ago, Trent he took away that three starters that he had throughout the middle of the season that he said that they were going to pursue. Then kind of said, "Hey, we're probably more like two and a half." And what he meant by that was kind of a a swing guy or a guy that could maybe jump back and forth between the bullpen and also the starting rotation. So, I don't know, maybe he sees a guy like a Gibson that could do both. I don't know. Or maybe he expects both him and Lynn to be in the rotation full-time. I don't know. I don't know if it completely addresses our needs, if it's just those two. To me, like, they're, they're, they're similar guys. So, you know, when I saw the Lance Lynn signing coming out first, I'm thinking, okay, you know, it makes sense. I mean, he, he's a guy that could fit in your your four or five slot of your rotation, eat innings. Um, he'll probably be a lot better in the bigger ballpark. He's a guy that's an elder statesman that can help, you know, tutor some of the younger guys, that sort of thing. And I think a lot of it, too, with these signings, it speaks to they, they're wanting to help kind of get that culture change back to maybe what it was in the past. That That seems like a lot of it, too, Trent. But I guess my question to you is, why sign both of them? Why not just one? I mean, do you need both? I don't know. That's my question, too. Well, to me, they're both upgrades on what is currently on the staff, and that's not saying a lot. I guess the depth and the veteran leadership is definitely there. If you've got it, you really, at this at this stage in, in the way the, I guess, the game's going, you really need seven, eight starters. You know, you need guys that can eat innings because guys are going to get hurt. So I I do understand, but I don't know. I it's, it's tough to kind of rely on both of those guys who are getting older. They're not what they used to be. So I, I definitely see your concerns, and I'm kind of there with you. But So what would your ideal offseason for the Cardinals be? Again, you're someone who, who played at the highest level in college and a, you was also you know played in the minors, you were a scout, so you obviously have that aspect that you think about as well. What's the ideal offseason in your opinion? I think that nobody's really addressing this, but I would love to see them add another bat. I don't think that the lineup is, I guess, spotless top to bottom. I would love to see another bat right there next to Arenado and Goldschmidt and I guess Contreras at this point, but I don't know how realistic it is, and I don't think it's probably realistic at all, but, you know, Bellinger being available, would love to see that. I know it's not going to happen, but um, a Bellinger, a top-of-the-rotation arm, obviously these are tall wish lists that probably not realistic, but I, I think that it's something that needs to be addressed, whether it be a trade. Uh, at some point, you're going to have to use your prospects, prospects or suspects, until they're big leaguers. I've, I've heard that before, and it just feels like they never make the moves, and if they do, it's the wrong moves. I would agree with that. I would love to have Cody Bellinger, and in particular, you mentioned him. I I think, I'll read between the lines here, I think because he's a left-handed bat, I think that would be a, a big guy to have to supplement along with maybe a, a Nolan Gorman as that power bat. 
you know, I, I feel like that center fielder would be ideal. You know, there's a guy coming over that's posting, um, you know, from an Asian team that is a center fielder type that could be an option for the Cardinals and maybe not at a super high price or, or maybe, you know, I don't know, finding out a, a different uh, trade avenue, like you said. But they're going to have to find a way, the Cardinals, to not hold on or just have a bore constricted attitude to holding on to these prospects that they're going to have to get rid of some of these guys and, and hope that, uh, you know, they have some other guys come in on a return that that's going to be successful. Before we end here, I want to ask you about the non-tender deadline as the Cardinals, you know, decide not to tender contracts to Jake Woodford, Dakota Hudson, Juan Yepes, and Andrew Kisner. Any, any surprises there? The big one that jumps off the page is Kisner, and that probably you would assume makes sense that Avon Herrera now is the kind of heir apparent as the uh, catcher and a guy that's going to be working with Contreras. But what stood out to you there? You know, I, I, I'm kind of there with you. I, I'm kind of surprised by Kisner because you can never have, to me, uh, enough depth at the catcher position. Um, if one of those two goes down, I like I like Kisner for what he is. He's a, a good backup catcher that is going to call a good game. He's going to manage a staff. My concern with what they have right now is a is a catcher who's going to handle the staff, game preparation, and all the rest of it, but that that's really the only one that surprised me. Hudson, he Hudson's going to eat innings, but he's replaced to me. He's I guess the two arms that they just picked up are upgrades over Hudson. Yeah, that's kind of how I how I look at it with the tenders. Yeah, I would agree with you. Like you said, I think the biggest question mark then like is how are you going to get that leadership as that catcher position? Who's they, they had a big issue with Contreras and his preparation last year, uh, you know, and preparing for the staffs and the scouting reports and that sort of thing. So maybe down the road, uh, Yadier Molina could be added to, as an aide, but we'll see about that as well. But uh, yeah, I mean that that's a question mark. But yeah, hey, they're obviously putting faith in Herrera, and I think part of it too they they needed they needed the roster spot and they needed the money. And so maybe yeah. we'll see. Maybe the Cardinals can make another splash here. I I do think they they need an ace type arm, maybe another guy, and they could use an arm or two as bullpen help, in my opinion. So whether that come via trade or via free agency, I think the Cardinals still have some work to do. Now again, Mosaic said, "Hey, the off season's not done, but uh, it's a start. It's a little bit of an eye opener, Trent. I think, but definitely some guys that could be of use and." We'll yeah. see how the off season goes the rest of the way. For sure, I, I would say it's not out of the question for them to add a, a veteran, a veteran catcher that's an upgrade over Kisner as well. That's something to think about too. That I'm sure there's always guys out there that are defense first that you know kind of fill that void. So that's maybe the way they view Kisner as placeable. But yeah, see a lot of the conversation too, Trent. I think comes back to first full circle to the ownership and Bill DeWitt. So Moe's got to work within a budget or what what's budget he's given, right? And kind of what was mm-hmm. reported or expected uh, after these non-tenders and things like that, that the budget's going to be around $50 million, you know, give or take some, right? So if that's the case, you, again, you've already spent basically half of that with these two guys. So can you go to DeWitt and say, hey, we, we want to – we want to add another guy, but it, it's going to take us over that budget. So is he willing to do that? I mean, that honestly, a lot of it comes down to what Bill DeWitt is comfortable doing, in my opinion. 
Well, I, I think that that's kind of one of those things that he's if he wants to win, if if winning is truly important to Dewitt, then he almost has to. You almost have to, and it's going to, I guess, kind of show the fans where he is and how he feels about putting a competitive product on the field. My biggest concern with the way he's been trending the past few years, especially with some of the comments that he's made, I think they're more worried about being competitive enough rather than the way that you know the Dodgers do things and the way the Braves are doing things at the moment. That's just kind of the way I perceive things as a fan. And it kinda it's kinda tough. Tough spot. It is. And look, Trent, I mean, for this organization, they pride themselves on having, you know, the quote unquote best fans in baseball, right? The traditions that they've had, the history, the legacy players and that sort of thing, you know, all the Hall of Famers, uh, the great tradition of Cardinal baseball. They pride themselves on that. And they didn't have a, a very good season. It was an embarrassment of a season this past year, disappointment to say the least, right? So if you don't come out and, and make a change this year, they, you know, Mo talked about that, hey, we, we, ha- we had to learn some things and we want to do things differently, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, you've got to show that here starting here in the offseason. And, you know, for DeWitt and the ownership, they took a big hit in revenue because of you know fans there late in the year because of the type of team they put on the table. Well, guess what? That's not going to get any better unless you put a winning team out there. So if you want to have your revenue back to where it has been over you know three million through the turnstiles year after year, you better put a better product on the field. So I think it starts there. So it it, it correlates, does it not? So for you to have revenue and to get money as an organization. You got to win too. Hundred percent. I mean, that's that's what it all boils down to. And I think the, the 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 issue is is it's like I said, it's been it's been good enough for so long to just be good enough to make the playoffs or to be in contention at the end of the year. And it's never. It seems like it hasn't been a priority to push this team over to be the you know world series favorites or competitive enough to even compete that far down the road and you know it's just like you said it's it's all it's going to boil down to revenue and putting a competitive product on the field if ownership wants to do that well Trent I appreciate the time thanks so much for joining me here in the uh, the Semo scramble and and it's going to be a fun off season and it's always fun talking baseball with you Absolutely. You as well, my friend. All right. Thanks to Trenton Moses, and he is a Red Hawk Hall of Famer. So thanks to him for joining us here on the CMO Scramble and, again, getting his perspective on what the St. Louis Cardinals have done so far in the offseason, what they might do, what an ideal offseason could be as well. And, again, a a gentleman who is a a former scout has an interesting perspective on, on who some guys they could target and, you know, why they, they could do so. So, again, appreciate Trent's time for talking to us here today. All right, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk a little high school football. There's a couple of big games going on here in the state playoffs. We'll first look at, boy, look at this matchup in Class 1 as Marionville and St. Vincent. They will clash here in Class 1 uh, today. That's going to be a 1 p.m. game going on 
in Marionville. Marionville, of course, got the victory last week, 17-14 to against Portageville after the excellent season that they had. And then uh, on the other side of the bracket, it was St. Vincent with a convincing victory, 45-14 to over Crystal City. So now they have to face off against Marionville. So it's going to be a tough task today uh, for St. Vincent, but they are one of four teams remaining. So they're in the, the final four, if you will, the state semifinals. So it's Marionville and St. Vincent and then Milan and North Platte, the final four teams in Class 1. So, so look, it's going to be a really tough matchup for St. Vincent. So let's look at it. Marionville comes in with an undefeated record of 12-0, the number one ranked team in state in Class 1. They're averaging 41 points a game, only giving up five points a game to opponents. Of course, they gave up 14 points last week to Portageville. So for St. Vincent, it's been 14 years since they won a district title, won it last in 2009. They were able to overcome that, get the victory this year. They're 9-3 and so far this year. And with a 36-point-per-game average on offense, giving up 15 points a game to their opponents. So my biggest question is, can they score against Marionville? And again, for Marionville, we saw Portageville keep them in check, only give up 17 points was Portageville. So my question for St. Vincent, I think that uh, maybe their defense and could find ways to limit Marionville a little bit, but can they find ways to score against their defense, do enough on offense uh, to get things done. That's a big question mark for me. But, boy, what a season that they've had. It's been fun. And then Coach Tim Schumer, of course, was the uh, the quarterback back in the 2009 team for St. Vincent. And he's done uh, some good things for this team this year, and they've led him in the right direction. So give credit to St. Vincent. You know, they do have a, a tough schedule in their own right. Again, I told you a 9-3 and record. Their only losses to Thayer, to Scott City, and to Valley Catholic. So, three really good teams that they lost to, but they also have some pretty good wins on their schedule as well. So, again, it's going to be a tough matchup. We'll say good luck for sure to uh, St. Vincent, and we'll see if they can get it done today in Class 1. Well, let's turn to Class 5, an even tougher task maybe for the Cape Central football team as they will take on Cardinal Ritter, Cardinal Ritter, just a juggernaut, and again, they are in uh, Class 5 as Cape Central got a big victory, able to hold on against uh, Eureka last week, 32-29 to in the state quarterfinals, and then uh, Cardinal Ritter, listen to this, 68-14 to was their victory over Fort Zumwalt West. So again, Cape Central back to state, back to the state semifinals, only four teams remaining in Class 5. It's Central, we told you Cardinal Ritter, Webb City seems like they're there every year, and Republic. So again, that is a also a 1 p.m. game, and it'll be at Cardinal Ritter on Saturday, 1 p.m. game as well today. So think about this. For Cardinal Ritter, so last year they were the Class 3 state champions. They were 14-0. So this year 12-0. So that's 26 consecutive wins for this group out of Cardinal Ritter. So I don't know. We'll see. See if Cape Central can upset the big dog here today. Cape Central coming in with a 10-3 and record. They also have a really tough schedule. They had a good Eureka team last week, defeated Farmington and St. Mary's this year. One common opponent, I, do want, I want to point this out, is Hillsboro. Cape Central, early on in this year, lost to Hillsboro 35-28. to 
for Cardinal Ritter. They're undefeated this year, 12-0 and record. They have that one common opponent in Hillsboro, and it was Cardinal Ritter who defeated Hillsboro. Of course, that was at home, but they defeated Hillsboro 34-21. to We just told you Cape Central lost to Hillsboro 35-28. So I do think this could be a close game between the two teams, but again, it's going to be an uphill task for Central all year long. Bread and butter has been winning the line of scrimmage game and establishing the run and getting that going with Keyshawn Boyd and Zaire Thomas. I think that's got to be successful again today. For them to have success, they've got to run the football. But also with Coach Gibbs, a Hall of Fame coach, he's a guy that can adjust on the fly. So, I don't know, maybe we can see Jathan Spain, a guy to, to take some more passes, to take some more chances in this game, and maybe he can be a guy as well that can be that X factor for them. But again, Winning the line of scrimmage battle against Cardinal Ritter, that's going to be imperative today. They're a team that puts a lot of points on the board. Cardinal Ritter this season averaging 47 points a game. Cape Central, they average 36 points a game. Cardinal Ritter only gives up 12 points a game to their opponents. Cape Central gives up around 22 points a game. So that's kind of the look at the two teams. Again, Cardinal Ritter, very tough matchup in Class 5, but... Again, good luck to the uh, Cape Central Tigers. They have a legitimate shot. They got a legitimate shot. We'll see what they can do. We'll see. At the end of today, we'll see if maybe we can be playing for a state championship. If you're wondering, the state championship will be uh, next week on December the 1st. So December the 1st will be the state championship game. Will St. Vincent or Cape Central be a part of that? We'll just have to wait and see. But, folks, you can tune in after this show. And, again, uh, we'll have Cape Central football in the state playoffs right here on this station, SEMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and even online at SEMOESPN.com. So a 1 p.m. game will be on air about 1245 or so for the pregame show. But, again, kick off at 1 p.m. Make sure and join us right here on SEMO ESPN. You've been listening to the SEMO Scramble here on SEMO ESPN. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate once again for head coaches Greg Hollifield and Dontre Jenkins for joining us here to talk a little high school basketball and also Trenton Moses talking a little Cardinals baseball offseason with us as well. So have a good weekend. We'll have a special guest coming up next week. Make sure and join us for the SEMO Scramble here on SEMO ESPN. You've been listening to the SEMO Scramble on SEMO ESPN. Tune in every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 for a dash of hometown pride with Rusty Hendricks right here on the SEMO Scramble. Yes, don't miss the latest news, scores, and stories that matter most to local sports enthusiasts. From the Blue Heel and beyond. Right here on SEMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, the SEMO ESPN app, and at SEMOESPN.com.